Are you currently in college or recently graduated but kind of struggling to figure out how to approach your post-grad life? If so, then I have the perfect guide for you, which I created for my college self in mind. That is the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success ebook, which features a holistic approach to all things starting out in your career during and after college, from cultivating the right mindset, building your resume, maximizing your LinkedIn profile and network, and so much more. I take you through a personal step-by-step guide on how to prepare for all areas needed when searching for a job. And these were actually many steps that I personally did between my sophomore and senior year of college, as well as the first year out of college. So I always highly recommend to start early to create opportunities for yourself. In this ebook guide, you will find cover letter tips and custom templates available for download, resume building steps with three custom templates, LinkedIn tools, and step-by-step guide on maximizing your profile, top 20 behavioral interview questions, and a lot more. Again, you can find this online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Just make sure when you click shop, just go to all products and you will find the ebook there, or just go to the show notes and it will be linked. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. On today's episode, I have a lovely guest on with me. His name is Charles D'Angelo, and he is a well-known author and celebrity weight loss coach who has also been endorsed from notables such as Bill Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, Tony Robbins, and most recently, Tom Arnold. A little bit more on his backstory, at 16, Charles was 360 pounds, bullied, eating lunch alone, and unhappy. Following a health scare, he took his life into his own hands and turned the very thing that he was bullied about into his own empire. He lost 160 pounds, went to college, and created a life for himself. During his own weight loss journey, Charles dug deep, figuring out why he chose to find solace in food and make himself a victim rather than live life with the hand that he'd been dealt. Learning to take the emotion out of food pushed Charles into a new way of living. So as mentioned, he obviously has a lot of knowledge and experience in weight loss and health, and we do touch quite a bit on that. But I will say this episode is actually primarily focused more on a good old life advice, you guys. I would say that he really focuses on mindset and different mindset shifts that you can make in your life that could propel you forward, whether that is also in weight loss or getting to a figure that you want or a relationship that you desire or a career trajectory that you've been looking for. I think in any area of life, Charles really hones down on the mindset you need to have in order to really propel towards that direction. And I'll be honest, I have done this myself in my early 20s. This is primarily why the podcast exists today. And this is why I share some similar advice in terms of really reframing the way you look at things and especially how you approach your relationships, your health, and just the overall balance in different areas of life. So without further ado, let's welcome Charles to the podcast. Well, Charles, thank you so much for joining me on the What Fulfills You podcast today. I'm very excited, as I mentioned, to talk a lot about healthy lifestyle, the mindset around that, and and really just cultivating a holistic approach as, as you often teach and work with your clients. But before we begin, can you go ahead and share from your perspective a little about me blurb? <laughs> Teenager, I weighed 360 pounds, believe it or not. I had a size 50-inch waist. Getting up a flight of just four or five stairs, I would become exhausted. I would be perspiring. Uh, my heart would be beating out of my chest. I certainly wouldn't have predicted that my future would involve being a person to help others to free themselves from this prison that all too often we construct in regard to using food in a very unhealthy way. So by the time I was 17, I was tipping the scales at 360. I, I had a series of experiences that led me, which we can talk about later, to really recognize that if my life was going to get better, it was going to be because I 
made changes. I became better. It wasn't going to be some magic pill, although I had tried all those things. I had tried the mm-hmm. bad diets. I had tried all the different gyms. I had tried the books. Uh, and I recognized that there was something missing in all of those approaches. And the missing element was the psychology, the mindset, how to really disconnect using food emotionally, and in time, learn how to reconnect and have a much healthier relationship with it. So in two years time, I lost 160 pounds. My life was on fire. I was just so excited with how freed I had become. I was much more confident. I was engaging with people. I had a vision for my future. I had anticipation for the future rather than apprehension about it. And Mm -hmm. my mission to help others do the same. So for the last two decades, I've helped people from all over the world, from leaders of state to stay-at-home parents, to teenagers, to college students, totally transform the quality of their lives by changing their habits. I originally was going to start off with uh, weight loss, but I think it'd be more interesting to ask you about where did, like, obviously you had that desire of you know, you were at a point where you're like, I need to make a change. Right. But, you know, for me, that's something I've always luckily had because I'm a former competitive figure skater and athlete. So I've had the athletic background. Right. But of course, I know that not everyone comes from sports or some sort of athletic background or anything that already kind of gives them that edge of self-discipline and desire. And that makes me really curious where, were you able or how were you able to really go, this needs to change and this needs to happen? And you stuck with that discipline for those two years. How did that come about? So I always say that people either become inspired to uh-huh. change or they're desperate to change. And okay. for most, a combination of the two. So I think that you have to get yourself to a place to really leverage yourself by focusing on two things. One question you can ask yourself if you're lacking motivation, if you're lacking drive, if you're lacking ambition, is kind of forward pacing yourself and thinking about, imagine if you can, if Mm -hmm. I make changes and I continue to head in the direction that I'm headed, where am I going to find myself a year, three years, five years, 10 years from now? And you really have got to paint a high resolution, vivid picture for yourself of just how horrific life can become in any number of ways if you let go of the responsibility necessary to direct your life. So you have to have something kind of like a stick to drive you towards a future better than the one that you're currently headed toward if you're using food self-destructively, if you're not really practicing good self-care, if you're staying in something that you know you should have long left. Maybe you're in a relationship that you're very unhappy with, with a person. You know, Maybe you've been dating someone and all the red flags are there, but for one reason or another, like many, um, you find yourself ignoring those red flags, staying in something because it's familiar, even though you know it's not good for you. So you have to really use your mind. You have to use uh, your imagination, if you will, and paint that high resolution image of just how bad life can get if you don't make some changes. And the changes that all of us really need to make often are simple, but making the changes aren't necessarily easy. That's why coaching is so important. Having someone there who can offer objective feedback, insight, perspective, encouragement, can challenge you if you're finding yourself really stuck in a particular pattern. Uh, So I think that's one thing that a person needs to do is have that high resolution image of just how horrible life can become if change doesn't happen. The other thing that a person needs to do is Uh, The flip side of that coin is they have to have a high resolution image of how awesome your life can become when you do make changes. So you have to come at this, not just from a grim perspective of, my goodness, look at how horrible my life's going to be if you don't make changes. That certainly has its value because many of us will do more to avoid pain Mm -hmm. than to seek pleasure. But you also have to give yourself a really clear picture of just how awesome your life's going to be when you do step out in faith and you start to make some consistent changes. And when you get some really clear, clear image in your mind of just how awesome things are going to be, and you have strong reasons to back going forward, then you can easily tap into the the muscle, the emotional muscle that we all have. You said that as a competitive figure skater, you you never really found it it difficult, perhaps. I I would say probably were sometimes it was challenging for you, but you you said you kind of had an edge where some people don't ever feel like they had that history. I think we all have that muscle. I think like anything else, a muscle only gets stronger when we work it. So you've got to discipline yourself to become emotionally strong 
by using the way you think in a way that actually moves you forward rather than keeps you stopped or moves you back. Right. And you mentioned there that um, that's why having a coach, for example, or someone that can really keep you accountable and uh, help you look towards that vision and future. I'm assuming, did you do that process though by yourself initially when you were around 17, if I'm not mistaken? So when I was 17, that's when I really recognized that I was headed towards a cliff that I was going to drive over metaphorically if I didn't. Uh, my mother, who had long been my best friend, was in the depths of alcoholism and prescription drug addiction at that point. My father, who was a blue collar worker, was working all the time. So I could have been the king of excuses. You know, the environment I was living in certainly wouldn't have predicted my future of success. Mm -hmm. And we all can look to circumstances and aspects of our lives that would make it seem that there isn't much hope. But that's why I said it's so important that you do have a vision of something greater than yourself. And what I did at 17 was I started to immerse myself in books and in the places and around the people that were living the quality of life that I had long desired. And any of us can do that now with the advent of technology. You know, you can have a mentor that you've never met in person uh, virtually online, and it may not even be someone that you engage with professionally. Maybe you just watch videos. And listeners, you might be listening to this, and, and you, Emily, might be a mentor to some young lady who has never met you, but you really have been of tremendous help to her. All of us can avail ourselves to resources that in the past weren't so easily accessible. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that you expand your uh, environment by recognizing one of the greatest influences on you is who and what you're spending time with. If you're spending time with people who aren't living life at the edge, who aren't focused on a future brighter than the one they're currently experiencing, who are, are caught up in low-level distractions, well, it's not going to be unusual to think your life is going to be somewhat of a reflection of those values, uh, of that philosophy of your peer group. So it's really important that you put yourself in an environment that stretches you, that expands you, that challenges you. A coach is a really great way of doing that. Another way of doing it is just being very selective with who you spend your time with personally. You know, are the people that you're spending time with friends that really help you see the best in yourself that you might find difficult to see? Mm -hmm. Are they helping you really grow and helping you expand beyond your comfort zone in a really positive way? Those are the questions you want to ask yourself. And I was blessed to have all sorts of mentors. I mean, I don't think uh, any of us become successful alone. In fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who we all know, uh, is very well known for saying the one thing that he never wants to be called is a self-made person because he had all sorts of people and influences that were generous with themselves, generous with their time, generous with their insight to help him really become who he was able to ultimately become as a person. And all of us uh, need to recognize that in a certain sense, we stand on the shoulders of giants. You can avail yourself to all sorts of information from the world's brightest best. You can read biographies, and those are available for free if you go to a library. And I know reading has become something of a, a lost art, but those are the types of things we all have access to where you can have a conversation with someone who's done everything that you're hoping to do and who made it uh, their mission to condense what took them perhaps decades to learn into something that you can digest in just a couple of days over a weekend reading a book. And, and so I think that that's something all of us can really take advantage of to get our lives moving in a direction we feel really satisfied with. One thing I've noticed is, especially from my own experiences, when it comes to recognizing this is the shift that I need to make, right? And maybe part of that is changing the circle of people I surround myself with, the influences, right? That process for me in my early 20s was uh, definitely lonely in certain ways. And I'm not sure if you had that personal experience yourself or if your clients that you work with, some of them had that adjustment. But can you touch on that? Like, what is the mentality you need to have going through that process to, to recognize like, hey, you know, it might feel this way during this short period, but how can one overcome that mentally to really continue to stay on track towards uh, that the longevity and the goal? So uh, a, a one thing a person must do if they're going to be successful and be able to overcome the inevitable obstacles that show up 
is staying focused on the compelling reasons they have for wanting to change the quality of life. Because you're precisely right. Uh, when we make changes, we're going to face that desert, so to speak, of uncertainty, a place we've never been before. We may not have people that we can replace those that we've decided to limit our association with right away. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes we're going to experience the biggest blessing because we have to take a cold, hard look at ourselves. Sometimes we're spending time with people that really aren't living life at the level that we're aiming at or that we're capable of because we allow ourselves to feel better by spending time with people that have it worse than we do. And so when you let go of that, then you have to recognize, my goodness, I'm really not that satisfied with my life. You know, I was using my relationships as kind of a way of distracting myself from the things that I ought to be working on. And I think that's ultimately what life calls each of us to do is to look within ourselves and begin to do the hard work of addressing things that need to be processed and resolved. And we all will continue that process the rest of our lives. We're never going to complete that process, at least not in one lifetime. So you've got to be comfortable with discomfort. You've Mm -hmm. got to accept that as a given. You also need to recognize that much like nature, life is like the seasons. So you're going to go through certain winters through any transformation where you feel like you're doing all the right things, but nothing's happening. You don't see any movement, just like when you go outside in the middle of uh, a winter, particularly here in the Midwest, everything was dead, you know, mm-hmm. but on soil, there's all sorts of things happening. And if you'll just stay with it, come springtime and spring always follows winter, everything starts to emerge. But many people panic in the winters of their life and they freak out and they don't know what to do because they feel disoriented. So you've got to accept it as a given that you're going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a rather temporary level of discomfort. And that's in the service of the future you want. Anything that's going to be significant, meaningful, valuable to you is going to be attached to sacrifice. And that's something that our our generation uh, struggles with because we have been raised, in a sense, with expecting that we get what we want when we want it instantaneously. We're kind of like a, a microwave generation. We should just be able to push something and it should instantly be there. And the 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 history of this world has been everything has a gestation period it doesn't matter how badly you want it if if you're a young lady if you're listening to this and you really want to have a child it doesn't matter how quickly you want a biological child to show up the gestation period is nine months there's nothing you can do to change that but we again have been conditioned through marketing through being flooded with all sorts of information that We should just be able to set an intention and magically it shows up. And the truth is that while I certainly believe there are aspects to our life that are rather unexplainable, they're mystical, uh, they're spiritual, uh, I think that those things only come to our aid when we're doing the practical things we need to do to move our life in the direction that we deserve to so we can be a better service to all the people that matter and that we love. I could not agree more in that I do find that our generation, um, and especially going uh, to Gen Z's, this instant instant gratification, right? You know, everyone wants to see results. Everyone starts to kind of give up after, you know, three, four weeks, or sometimes even shorter, depending on what that initial goal was. And I think that really can parlay over into weight loss, which is something, like I said, I wanted to touch on, right? Um, that one, I'm sure is is very much a, a long game, a long haul thing. And you, and you mentioned, especially in your personal experience, it took you about two years to get to that point that you wanted for yourself. And I, I know you work with clients as well, but can you touch on the longevity of that and why it is so important to, as a foundation, understand weight loss is, and it, that, if that is an intentional goal, that it, it's going to take a period of time, not something like a fad or something that you can do in 90 days type of thing. Like, can you kind of touch on that process? And I'm sure we'll dive into more of like the specifics of losing weight as well. One of my biggest priorities is ensuring that I optimize my health every single day to the best of my ability in all areas, including mentally, physically, and emotionally. 
That also includes what I am eating and drinking every day because we know that does affect our energy. And so I ensure that I'm intaking healthy nutrients with the drink Magic Mind. And it's something that I've actually been taking for over a year now. If you've been listening for a while, you know they've been a longtime sponsor. And what Magic Mind really is, it is a productivity shot with nootropics, adoptogens, and matcha. Also, if you are not aware, there's a lot of health benefits with adoptogens, which I won't get into, but just just trust me, look it up, do the research yourself, and you will see what the long-term effect is of intaking adoptogens and nootropics. So how I take this, I typically drink it in the morning, take a sip of it, and you know, to be honest, sometimes I drink two, which is technically what we're not supposed to do, but they did say it is okay for me to do so, but they do recommend just taking one per day. And after I drink this, about 30 minutes in, I start to feel really focused calm and especially in flow that's just the best way i could describe it and for those of you who also love coffee like me you can drink it alongside with your coffee or before afterwards it really doesn't matter so it doesn't mean that you have to cut out coffee or anything because for me i actually still drink both but magic mind is really kind of that healthy kick for me and i just know the amazing health benefits that nootropics and adoptogens have if you are interested in trying they come in a box of 15 and i highly highly recommend just give it a try so you you can get 20% off your purchase with the code fulfill at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Again, that is 20% off your purchase with the code fulfill at magicmind.co slash fulfill. So the one thing I would say right off the bat is you want to see the different aims that you set up that you're excited about reaching as dividends of the person that you're working to become. That's very critical if you're going to be successful long-term, if this is going to be something that's enduring, because anyone can do any number of things to, for example, drop a certain number of, of pounds. But if you really want this to be something that's going to have a lasting impact, it has to be because you've changed the way you actually see yourself. You've raised your standards. You're expecting more from yourself and for yourself. And that really comes down to, as cliched as it might sound, to you really starting to practice what I would consider the art of self-love. And that means you're not seeing your worth or your value as a reflection of achievement anymore. So there may be times that you're doing everything correctly. You're eating well, you're exercising, you're being conscientious about getting enough sleep, you're drinking enough water, you're, you're making certain that you're keeping your schedule dialed in, all the things that you need to do to really have the type of predictable outcome that all of us would aspire to if we're setting weight losses in. If you only use the number on the scale as a metric to measure your success, you're gonna be constantly disappointed because you have to recognize that that's a variable that's influenced by a number of factors that we don't have complete control of. So what you really wanna be more excited and very, very compelled by is who you're becoming as a person because of this goal you've set. For example, if you have a week that goes by and you were hoping to lose three or four pounds and you drop one or drop zero. If you, you focus yourself on that rather than I still woke up every day, I did my exercise every day, I went to a happy hour and didn't have a drink, I did all these wonderful things that really helped me build that muscle of discipline I've been working so hard to build. If instead of valuing yourself and appreciating yourself and giving yourself credit for all of those wins, you focus on the one thing that didn't go exactly the way you wanted to go, What's the point of, of this whole process? Because you're never going to be happy. So I think that you really want to recognize that often the achievements we set as goals for ourselves are a cover-up for something much deeper we're after, which is a sense of peace, of happiness, of well-being, that we're enough, that, that we can be loved. And if you don't know that, you're going to be constantly chasing things outside of yourself the rest of your life. You'll be posting on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, just hoping and checking every half hour that someone liked it and that someone mm -hmm. shared this and that. And so you're constantly chasing your own worth, thinking it's something out there when it's always been within here. So it really requires a shift in your entire thinking and your psychology and your philosophy and your attitude about yourself. And what's really magical about the whole thing is when you get on that frequency of thought, when you start to actually think this way, things start to kind of cascade together along the lines of what you always wanted anyway. So it's almost like when you stop needing it, you get it. 
as unusual as that sounds. Mm -hmm. But when you set yourself up for being needy, that I, I need to be losing three pounds a week or whatever, it's almost as if it pushes it away. It's kind of like in dating. If you come across a potential partner as obsessively needy, well, obviously that person isn't going to be all that interested in having someone that really is being a bit intrusive, that's a little overbearing, that's really not respectful of boundaries. And I found in my own life experience of having both transformed my life and aimed at all sorts of wonderful goals I've been blessed to achieve and having helped thousands of others do the same thing, that you can't, you can't narrow your focus that way. You've got to be more focused on the bigger picture, who you're becoming, the purpose that ultimately this is all for, and then just take those achievements as dividends of staying on point with your purpose. I want to dive into the actual process of weight loss a little bit, um, or at least maybe a simplified version. Uh, I think that the biggest one that I'm personally very curious about is what are probably like the top two reasons you would say that people struggle to lose weight and, and if possible, maybe narrowing it down for women specifically, because I know you've worked with a mix of clients. So I don't think people struggle with losing weight. I think people struggle with staying consistent with putting themselves as a priority. Okay. So I think the, the number one thing that I encounter in my work, and I work with a lot of medical doctors, a lot of working professionals, a lot of people that have committed their lives to serving others, a lot of, of uh, stay-at-home mothers, fathers, college students. What happens all too often is people create a story that keeps them stuck in their specific pattern. So they tell themselves, you see... I, I just can't lose weight. You know, I've been doing exactly what I'm supposed to do and nothing's happening. And if they're honest with themselves, that's not true. You know, they missed some meals, they skipped half their exercise, but mm -hmm. they, and they come up with a story that kind of really covers up the reality that they're not being as consistent as they're capable of. Because that, that's a blow to our ego. When we have to admit to ourselves right. that we're falling short of whatever it is the agreement was we made, uh, that's frustrating for us. But we're all human. And the only way change happens is if we can take a rather objective perspective of our behaviors, not judge ourselves or blame ourselves, but really look at them very analytically and say, well, why is it that I'm having trouble staying consistent? What do I need to do to change it? So that's the first thing is people create a story that keeps them stuck. Mm. You know, they around and what you look for, you find. So they'll say, well, how could I ever get fit when I have so many courses that I have to take right now? Mm. Or uh, with losing my job, how could I ever expect myself to stay consistent? Whatever the, the story is, it's ultimately an excuse from being as responsible for their behaviors as they're capable of, and ultimately undermines their own personal power. So it, it's really important that you recognize the way your life gets better is by taking responsibility for the things that you can take responsibility for. Having a good strategy, I don't want to mistakenly lead people to think that they can just do any number of things and be successful. I mean, it doesn't matter how well-intentioned and how consistent you are. If you're running the wrong way towards something, you're never going to get there. So it's really important that you recognize you have to have a good strategy. That's why uh, allowing yourself to reach out to someone like me, someone who does have a strategy that's effective, that's simple, that's straightforward, that isn't going to encumber you with a lot of the complications, that's going to really help you streamline your life and get to where you want to go, really will allow you to be successful and not have to think more about this than you should. And that information is, is widely available. There's books, there's trainers, there's coaches, nutritionists, there's dietitians if weight loss is your specific aim. So there's no shortage of that type of thing. Uh, and you want to have a good relationship with that person. So I would say to anyone that's really seeking to make this type of transition in regard to weight loss, if you're wanting to, to look for a coach or someone to work with, I would say pick out three and interview all three. Because what really has a lot to do with the success ultimately in such a relationship is the sense of connection or alliance you have with your coach. Mm -hmm. You don't have a good working alliance. Uh, it's, it's, it's problematic. Let's just say that. It can be very problematic. I think it's really important that you have someone that from the get-go, you feel you vibe with well. Yeah. doesn't mean that there's someone that's a yes person. They just tell you, <laughs> great. It just means that you have an intuitive sense that this person is someone that you're going to be able to work well with. And I would say you should give yourself at least three different people to get a feel for. And then once you decide who that is, don't let too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, you don't need a trainer and a nutritionist and dietitian and a life coach and a weight loss coach. No, 
I would suggest streamline one person and be all in. Because like I said, our generation is one where we have grown up spectruming our attention. You know, how scary is it when any of us are driving on the freeway and you look over and someone has their phone in their lap and they're looking at their phone on the highway driving 60 miles an hour. And they're telling themselves that they're actually driving and they're texting or whatever at the same time. How scary is that to think about, you know? And so we've grown up though thinking that's just the way life is, you know, or having four different things on our computer at the same time or three different screens. I think that a lot of power comes from concentration. And so really get clear on what you want, why you want it, and then commit to a specific way you're going to go about getting it and be flexible in your approach uh, for a reasonable amount of time. You know, if you haven't made progress with a coach in a month or two, then it might be time to switch. But I would say at least give yourself, you know, eight weeks of working with someone before you pull the trigger and go in another direction. Like you don't want to do something for three or four days and you get frustrated or you you start to be more sensitive to your appetite than you otherwise would. And so you say, oh, this isn't working and you switch because then you're just dabbling. Mm-hmm. You've really got to be committed to what you're after if you're going to be successful. So the first thing that people really encounter that's problematic in terms of change is they're telling themselves a story that keeps them from really taking action. Because action is where it all comes from, where all the change comes from, not knowledge. Knowledge is dormant power. Yeah. Uh, action is really what makes the change happen. It's, it's acting on what you know with consistency. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think that allows people to struggle with their, their weight loss or any other goal they set is they think that it should always feel like it's something they want to do and it should be something that is independent of discomfort. Uh, <laughs> are going to have to make sacrifices to get what you want. I mean, that's just life. And so, like I said, we, we've grown up, all of us, uh, to a certain degree, wanting to numb pain. You know, if you're anxious, you know, uh, take a certain pill. Uh, if you're depressed, take this. And I'm not suggesting there aren't circumstances where that might be appropriate for a number of reasons. I'm saying that that shouldn't be your first default. You know, maybe you're feeling bad because you should feel bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're feeling really crappy about your life because it's totally out of order because you haven't been able to do the things that you need to do to get it straightened up. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a reason that when you come home, you're feeling lonely. Maybe that's something in you telling you that there's a, a potential within you that you're not tapping into. And to numb that, I think is tragic. I think that pain is an important signal. It's something we need to listen to. And, and you're not going to listen to it if you distract yourself from it, if you mollify it by just having people around you that tell you, oh, it's okay, you know, everyone has it like that, all you're doing is lowering your standards. And what accrues over time, and this is a, a very unfortunate circumstance I see in the lives of many people I've encountered over my now two decades of coaching people, is a tremendous amount of regret. They tell themselves, I could have changed, mm. I changed, but I didn't. And there's no greater pain than looking back at your life and no longer having the opportunity because those years have passed you by. And so one thing I'd say that you can do right now, listening to this or watching this is, is, is the following. This is a really good exercise that if you'll do, I think it might really just transform the quality of your life starting now, like, like as you're listening to this. And here's what you do. Just as a thought experiment, if I wasn't to see you for a full year, okay, 12 months, just think right now about all the things that you have regret over, you know, everything in your life that you really feel bad about in, in any specific way. Maybe it's things you've done. Maybe it's things you're doing. Just think about that stack of regrets you have. You know, your weight's out of control. You, you haven't been as disciplined with your finances. You've treated people uh, with a certain degree of disrespect or anger. You know, your relationships aren't as good as you want them to be. You haven't found a person you want to commit to uh, in terms of a romantic partner, whatever it is, you know, whatever you have regret over can be a number of things and really get associated. Kind of just think about the, the sense of anguish, pain that you had. And as you think about it now, just fast forward 12 months from now, let's say me and you bump into each other. Okay. If I was to meet you a year from now and we made our goal 
that you don't accumulate any more regrets over the next year, not any, you don't stack any more on it. What changes would you need to make today so that a year from now, you wouldn't have any further regret? You can't undo the regrets you've already had, but mm-hmm. what can we do so that a year from now, there wouldn't be any new regrets that have stacked up? Mm-hmm. And if you start to ask yourself that question, the answer will come to you. There's a voice in you. If you sit down and you, and you ask yourself, what should I be doing and what should I not be doing? You might really be in awe of the answer that comes up if you ask yourself those questions. Mm-hmm. The answers are there. It's just, unfortunately, people are drowning the answers out by the noise of their life. They don't make space. You said, you said, you know, is that from Hawkins or whatever? You asked me about that idea of, of detachment. That's, that's from, you know, the, the, the most fundamental Buddhist uh, principles uh, of, of ancient history, of, of detachment, of, of not setting yourself up to make your sense of contentment, joy, a function of outside circumstances. Now, people can rebrand it and, you know, put some type of, you know, scientific language around it. But this idea has been around forever. You know, no one's teaching anything new. These are fundamental truths. And that's why it resonates with us. That's why when we read it or we hear someone say it, it, it clicks with us. But no one owns the idea. This has been around forever. And I think that the more you can recognize that your quality of life, has more to do with your attitude, with your philosophy, than it does the particulars of your situation, the happier, the more fulfilled, the more content, the more excited, uh, the more pleasurable your life is going to be. But if you set your life up such that there are certain rules that have to be abided by, and there are certain achievements that must be attained, well, you're going to be running that hamster wheel the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So I think goal that you should have for yourself is to learn how to be happy and ambitious at the same time. You know, you find a lot of people that are happy, (laughs) but not very ambitious. And you find a lot of people that are ambitious, but not very happy. In fact, there was someone that I think uh, said that a a great personal development teacher uh, by the name of Jim Rohn. And uh, you want to make your goal to aspire to be able to do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So while you're working towards weight loss, how can you be ambitious about continuing to make progress that is, you know, reach the goal you're after, losing the weight, whatever, but actually be content in pursuit of that goal? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned that too, because for me, I've always been a big proponent of mindset and how we combine that with our lifestyle, right? And I know you and I, I know you talk about that on, you know, with your clients and, and incorporate that in your teaching. What would you say is is the biggest reason why this kind of is maybe, in my opinion, kind of like the overarching umbrella, right? Because you kind of can't, that's that's how I look at it, where some people try to go at maybe healthy lifestyle, healthy eating, or, or just weight loss even with this one-sided approach. But from my personal, again, no, no actual backing, but I kind of see, well, how can you keep that up when you don't have these other things also in alignment with that? So I think that comes to the concept of identity. That is how you see yourself. There's no stronger force in human psychology than that of identity. I mean, we will very rarely act out of accordance or, uh, you know, with, with any, um, we'll, we'll, we'll very rarely violate the sense of who we see ourselves as. So if you see yourself as not very deserving of success, it doesn't matter how many opportunities show up, how many people tell you that you deserve more. Who comes along that's willing to help you? That internal thermostat is going to keep you exactly at the level that you feel comfortable, even if comfortable is bad because you're up with. So in order to cultivate the type of lifestyle that you're saying, you've got to become very clear on where are you set? Where do you really, if you look at your life, where have you allowed yourself to be comfortable? And are you really okay with that? Or are you living out a story that you were told this is how life is? You know, you grew up in a family of modest means and you thought I can never achieve anything beyond that. Or you grew up in a family that says all of us become doctors or lawyers or whatever. And you've never allowed yourself the chance to ask yourself, what are really my needs? What are my wishes? What are my desires? 
And once you start to ask yourself, what is it that you really need? When people ask or say, um, they'll say, I don't really know who I am. How do I know who I am? That's very simple. Ask yourself what your deepest needs, what your deepest wishes, and what your deepest desires are, and that's who you are. That's how you find out who you are. What is it you really deeply need, wish for, and desire? And very few people stop to ask themselves. They've just always kind of taken what others said at, at face value. And you've got to, as an adult, becoming an adult means no longer making it your goal to check off the boxes everyone else told you need to be checked off, but rather ask yourself what matters to you, which really means taking on the full responsibility for the quality of your life. Mm -hmm. giving up hope that someone's going to do it for you, that someone's going to come along and is going to turn it all around. That's what it means to really step into adulthood. Mm -hmm. It's saying, if my life is going to work out, it's not because my parents are going to do X, Y, Z, or I'm going to marry the perfect partner or whatever. It's because I'm going to be the person that I deserve to have in my life. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you know, this kind of segues as a sidebar. If you're a young lady and you know, you say, well, all the good ones are gone. You know, all <laughs> have a partner uh, or the, all the good girls are gone. Um, if you're gay, um, then you're setting yourself up with a story that's already canceled out your chances of finding what you're after, but you've already told yourself that's not possible. So I always tell people, particularly if they're looking for uh, a relationship, a romantic, or even just a companion type of relationship, someone to be very... Um, deep with in a friendship sense, become the type of person your ideal partner deserves. Make that your goal. Stop the pursuit. Stop going out there and saying, how am I going to find Mr. or Mrs. Right? But rather, what do I need to do to become the person that that person deserves? And when you become that, you attract that. Yeah. You, know, you don't attract what you need or what you want. You attract what you are. So if you're a happy, content, healthy individual, you'll be amazed, as magical as this might sound, all of a sudden you start to notice people are more open to talking to you, to having relationships with you, all that type of thing. And that comes, again, back to the core idea of your identity, how you see yourself, mm -hmm. what you will tolerate for yourself and what you're willing to tolerate from yourself, those two things. Uh, and that takes a certain degree of introspection. And this can be done independently. It doesn't have to be done in therapy, but therapy is a great way. You know, if you, you want to get a good therapist who does this type of deep work and really look at your life, there should be no one you're more interested in and curious about than yourself. You should really make it your goal to get to know yourself well. But so few people know themselves and they make it their, their goal to know other people. Well, mm -hmm. I think the more you know about yourself, the more able you are to understand, to appreciate, and to love other people. I think that's how it works. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And and speaking of that attraction part too, what I what I find is when you hold yourself to a certain standard and level and someone else comes into your life and doesn't show up in that way, let's say on a romantic level or friendship level, it, it is hard. You'll feel that dissonance, right? Where it's this other person is just simply not in alignment with you. They don't show up in a similar way. And it's a very, in my opinion, very easy, like, okay, this this just this is just not a an aligned fit you know <laughs> oh and here's the thing you come to it that relationship in specific from a place of overflowing abundance and your desire is to want to share with someone mm -hmm. but when someone who for any number of reasons because of their history because of their particular temperament whatever it may be they're not open to that type of deep intimacy you're much more able to say next instead of staying with someone who obviously is not interested in what you're after, and you're no longer going to have the hope of changing them, that should never be the aim. The aim is let's find someone who is in alignment, who has the same values, has the same desires, uh, has a, a certain degree of understanding, uh, and we're both working to create and to serve this thing that's bigger than either of us are independently. That's what makes Great relationship that could be a friendship that could be a romantic relationship that can be a, a working relationship when you really serve the relationship by being conscious mm -hmm. about what you're up to by understanding like i said we all bring into our relationships a tremendous amount of baggage mm -hmm. and we 
project that onto the partner as if they're the bad other person. When in truth, they didn't sign up for any of that drama. Okay, but you're just putting that all on them. Like you always do that. You know, they're like, what do you mean I always do it? Well, it's not really them. It's you're responding to whatever they've done that's triggered all these other things in your head. Well, if you're unconscious about all of that, all you're going to do is recreate all, all sorts of unnecessary conflicts and dramas with an actor who never signed up for the part. <laughs> and so the goal is to become much more conscious, much more conscious of yourself, much more conscious of the things that, you know, are at work in you and in your life. And by doing so, you can take a much more mindful approach to your life. And it all comes back. It sounds like we're not talking about anything with regard to weight loss, but this is all implicit yeah. uh, to the, the work that I do with people every day here in this office, which is you can't expect yourself to be consistent in eating a healthy diet and exercise if you don't see that as who you really are. Mm -hmm. you yourself as a fat person, for example, well, how in the world are you ever going to embrace the types of disciplines that an athlete needs to, to discipline and embrace. And that's how you have to see yourself. So when I was 17, I said to myself, I'm lean, fit, and muscular with a six pack, but I'm carrying around about 160 pounds of extra fat. Mm -hmm. And so I saw the end and worked back from there. And I think that's what each of us need to do. So when I have a person, if you go to my website, um, charlesdangelo.com, you can see hundreds and hundreds of videos of people who are unrecognizable compared to the former version of themselves. When I meet someone, I never see them as they show up here in the office. I see them as they're going to ultimately become. Mm -hmm. And so what we're working to do is working to build up that healthy part of them. It's in each of us, but we have to nurture that part of ourselves. We have to pay attention to that part of ourselves. We have to treat ourselves like we would anyone we really care about, like we would our best friend. Mm -hmm. uh, all too often, we, we don't respect ourselves that way. We're dismissive. We don't pay attention to our real needs. Mm -hmm. We're not appreciative of the things that we're going through and the things that we do. So I really think it all comes down to understanding what love is. Love is a verb. It's not, it's not a noun. It's not something you're going to find. It's something you do. Mm -hmm. And so show yourself love. And as you do, when you do find that you are courageous enough to entertain a relationship with someone else, and that person isn't playing uh, at the level that you're willing to, again, you're willing to grieve the idea that that's not going to work out and move on. But if you feel like they possess what you lack, you're going to get stuck. And so that's why it's so important to do all that you can to enrich yourself so you don't feel like you're incomplete in hopes of finding that missing piece. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, this is some great life advice as well for for the younger generation. And, and that definitely leads me into some of my last questions. One of them being just maybe general advice. And, and I would say definitely focused on maybe like uh, life mindset relationships, whatever you want to focus it on that got you through your 20s or that maybe you wish you heard when you were in your 20s. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yes. So let me take it first from the angle of weight loss, given that was the topic you wanted me to share insight on. I think that you need to set up a schedule and a routine with regard to food and exercise that is unchanging. And by that, I mean, when I work with someone, we set up a schedule of eating where they eat the same thing every single day for a number of weeks so they don't have to think about it. So in my particular situation, my 20s were riddled with all sorts of upsets. My mother, as I said, was an incredible mom up until the age of about 10. She was 
the perfect person I could have ever asked for having in my life. I mean, the most encouraging, bright, caring, sensitive, present parent you could ever hope for. My father was a great man too, but he had no education and he was spending the majority of his time working outside of the house, running a cleaning company to support the small family that he and my mother had created. So I never really had much of a close relationship with my dad to speak of as a child. Mm. When I turned 10 uh, and my mother's dissatisfaction with her marriage became ever more evident to her, she started to turn to alcohol and prescription drugs. And I lost my mom like overnight. She turned from my best friend to, to a person that was spewing all sorts of hateful things you can never take back at a little kid. And I had a tremendous amount of anger about it. I wasn't really aware of that as a kid. Um, and I, I also had a tremendous dependency on her. So I spent much of my adolescence doing all I could to try to rescue her from herself. And so that had a lot to do with this little 10-year-old who really, in, in many ways, didn't have a weight problem to by the time he was 17, being 360 pounds. I mean, I was totally unconscious to my own life and my own needs. I was just totally focused on, I need to do whatever I can to help my mom to save her, to, to get her in rehab, to do this, to do that. And you need to think about your own life. Are there people in your life that you're in that type of unhealthy, codependent type of situation or setup in? And if so, you've got to really grieve the reality that we can't ever change other people that way. They can change themselves, but you've got to recognize that if change is going to happen, it's going to be because that person makes the decision and it's a must for them. The best we can do is give good advice and hopefully they're wise enough to take it. So back to my 20s. By the time I was in my 20s, uh, I had already started my coaching practice. I was coaching people from all over the world, uh, from heads of state. Like I said, I had worked with many people here in the Midwest that were political figures. I was writing my first book. I, I was always blessed um, before my mom and, and my father's relationship really hit the rocks. Both of them always bred into me the idea that if you're willing to work hard, you can have whatever you want. You know, our, our impoverished circumstance is not going to be your future. My parents bred that belief into me. And they also told me that the most important aspect of success was education. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. That it doesn't matter what happens. If you have education, as I said earlier, who you become will guarantee that you'll continue to be able to move forward. That's something that can never change, you know. Um, your integrity, who you are, what you know, those things can't be taken from you. Material wealth can, it can disappear overnight. But the skill sets that you have, they stay with you. So I had this idea that I'm going to change the world. I had lost all this weight. I was totally convicted of the idea that, hey, I have this plan that with absolute certainty, invariably, when a person does what I tell them with the food and exercise, their lives change. And I had all sorts of Re, uh, of results to back that up. I mean, person after person I had helped was 100 pounds, 150 pounds, moms, teenagers, uh, politicians, actors, actresses. So I, I was absolutely just certain about my personal power. And I had all these goals. I'm going to, I'm going to get this to the White House. And, and, you know, I'm a, a kid in St. Louis, Missouri. My family had no connections, but I just really made it my intention to help people. I never, I never really thought about how it was going to happen. I just knew it had to happen. And lo and behold, fast forward, my book got endorsed by President Bill Clinton. You know, I've helped people all over the world. And I say that because what helped me to stay constant with what I was doing was I never was thinking about food or exercise. It was just part of who I was. Mm -hmm. So much like you, if, if you really want to work through your 20s successfully, you've got to create a vision for yourself and recognize that you are going to end up at age 30. And you're going to be somewhere. The question is where? Mm -hmm. And what you're deciding right now, whether you're 19, whether you're 21, whether you're 23, whether you're in college, whether you've, you've uh, went to vocational school, whether you've decided not to go to school at all, whether you're a young mom and you had a, a child you know, that was unplanned, any number of things, you might really feel that there's no hope for you. You might feel like you, know, you made a mistake uh, in some regard, didn't go to college, whatever. And you feel like, I, I really screwed up. There is... Never a time in your life where redemption is not possible. You can always turn things around. As long as you're above ground and breathing, you can turn around. <clears throat> but it will require that you first put aside your fear and look at where you want to go. You've got to raise your head up and look at what you want to go after and define it for yourself in terms of kind of a Christmas list. Of if, if I know I won't fail, if I know there's no way I can fail, 
what do I really want to achieve? And get excited like you were when you were a little kid. My wife and I have a 20-month-old. And, you know, when we take him for a walk in the neighborhood, <laughs> there isn't a puddle that he will avoid. He jumps in it. And, you know, he doesn't care. Against it. He loves it. He just is full, with, full of joy. And he's totally present. And he has no concern or fear about things. Uh, that's the type of energy that you need to tap back into. That childlike wonder, awe, excitement, enthusiasm, and, and passion that we all are born with, but sometimes life has a way of squeezing out of us. We go through losses, disappointments, frustrations. So you've got to reawaken that part of yourself. And one way of waking that part of yourself up is to start to dream again. And, and if you feel like that part of you, you know, is all but dead, then you need to get yourself around people that are dreaming. And if you have an excuse about that and you say, well, I live in a, an area where that's not possible, then go online and listen to the Oprah Winfrey's of the world. You know, Sidebar bar story about that. One of my goals when I was growing up, Oprah's show was like the number one thing. And I'm sure to the 20 year olds listening, I hope you guys know who Oprah is, but she was a big deal back in the day. <laughs> and she's still pretty cool. She's, you know, got her own, own network and all that. But if you got on Oprah, it was like the biggest deal ever, you know, like, my gosh, you were on Oprah. And so I was 19 and I was committed to getting on Oprah. I was going to do whatever it took to share my story because I knew if I got on there, more people would have access to my strategy and change their lives. And I was just, I was committed, but I had no money. I was working at a, a gym, uh, coaching people in weight loss, but I made it my decision. I was going to do it. So I put together these little packages and I would send these packages of my fat picture and my fit picture and my story handwritten. I sent no exaggeration hundreds to her studio in Chicago, Illinois for years, like every week. And I was at St. Louis university as a student yeah. and uh, years and years and years. And so I finally, one day, I get a call from a Chicago area coach, and it was one of the producers. And they said, we have a childhood obesity show coming, uh, and we, we would love to have you. And I also had this little incantation. I read a book, which some of you girls might really find uh, of value. Millions of people have found it valuable. It's a book by a guy named Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich. And one of the tools he recommends that you employ is writing down kind of an affirmation of what you're going to do, what it's going to be for, when it's going to be achieved, and, and saying that to yourself both before bed with a lot of passion and when you wake up. And I was dating a girl at the time, and I had this little thing written out. She probably thought I was crazy. Before we went to bed, I'd sit on the side of the bed, and I'd be reading this thing. By January 1st, 2006, I'm going to be on Oprah Winfrey's show, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, man, that girl really must have loved me to be with this doing that. And I wake up in the morning, I do it again. Well, I got the call from the producer and I was like, oh my God, this thing works, right? And so I sent, I had sent all these packages and uh, they set up a date and everything. Well, then there was some breaking news and the, the appearance fell through. Oh, I was so disappointed, but I didn't give up hope. I kept doing my little affirmation, affirmation. So about four or five months later, another producer calls and I figured I'm getting closer because now they know who I am. And so they set me up again and it fell through again. Oh. Well, continued to, to send stuff. Well, it never worked out, but I never gave up on that dream. Never, ever, ever. Fast forward. Okay. You talk about, you know, needing something to happen. I had long stopped needing to ever be on Oprah. I had gotten endorsed by President Bill Clinton, Tony Robbins, mm. uh, Simmons. I had helped uh, actors and actresses. I, my name was out there. So I, Oprah would be wonderful, but it wasn't really like, it wasn't like it was when I was 18 or 19 years old. So what happened was I, um, uh, just like three years ago in 2019, I, I found out that Oprah was going to be giving a talk in California where my wife happened to be from. And so uh, I went ahead and I bought tickets and I thought I'm going to definitely uh, get my message Oprah finally. And uh, I, I went, we got really good tickets. I didn't know where they were exactly going to be. Well, it turns out they were second row. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh. And it was last night I found this out. So my wife and I go, and I'm thinking, how am I going to get Oprah's attention? So I made a, uh, a big um, cardboard sign. <laughs> and it, said, uh, it said, I lost 160 pounds. And then it had a box and I checked it. And then another blank box and it said, um, have helped thousands of others reach their goals. I checked that box. And then the third one said, uh, married the girl of my dreams. I checked that box. And number four was a, a square box. And it said, 
meet Oprah and share my story. And that box wasn't checked. Um, and, and it was a big green, neon green sign. And I have the most awesome wife because she puts up with all my shenanigans. And so uh, I had this huge sign. Well, then we get to the Oprah thing in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles. And they say, no signs allowed bigger than like the size of a piece of paper like this. <laughs> like 24 by 36. So what do I do? This is what, what I mean about being resourceful and consistent. I cut it up into tiny squares. <laughs> and then I bring a, a thing of scotch tape. And so we get in there and we're sitting in the second row and I'm assembling my little poster board. And this is what I mean by, it doesn't matter that I had already become successful. This was a dream I had since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't going to give up on it or have too much pride and say, well, I'm Charles D'Angelo. Why should I have to hold up a sign? I don't care if I have to hold up a sign. I'll do whatever it takes because I want to be able to share my story. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of hunger you have. So I taped this thing up and it's a big 24, thing, 24 by 36 thing. And Oprah walks out right to the front and I hold it right up. Without about the people behind me. My wife is a very polite person. And she's like, you're blocking their view. So I'm trying to, you know, like, and Oprah's getting points. Well, every time Oprah's walking around, I'm holding that thing up. And eventually the security got a little annoyed. And they pointed at me and they're like, put that down, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to eject me because I am not missing my opportunity here. And uh, so every time Oprah would come close, I'd really quickly hold it. And then, as soon as the security look, I put it on. And uh, finally, what happens is she's, she looks at the sign, she sees me, and then she turns to go by this, up the steps onto the stage again, because she will walk around the audience. And she stops. And I said to my wife, I said, darn it, I missed my opportunity. And the security was really getting bothered by me. And I wasn't going to be you know, uh, inappropriate or unreasonable. I was just not going to hold it up anymore. Well, that last time, she, when I told my wife that she wasn't going to, uh, you know, I was going to miss my opportunity, she turned around and she pointed at me. She says, I've got to hear your story. And she walks over. This is all on YouTube, too. You can go on and look at it. Uh, and she comes over and she's, she says, tell me your story. And so here I am. I'm standing in front of 15,000 people at this Coliseum in Los Angeles. And I start to tell her my story. You can watch it on YouTube for those that are interested. I start to tell her my story. And she's, get out here in the aisle. We've got to hear this. And she calls me out in the aisle. And I get to tell my whole story. I even brought a copy of my book. And so the funniest part is everyone thought this was funny. So she goes, let's take a picture. And so I, I put my arm around it. And I think I need my book in this. So I reached down and I hold my book up and they had those big uh, video screens up. Mm -hmm. And so she, she didn't know I had my book in my hand, apparently. And so I had my arm around her. I'm smiling real big. And she looks up at one of those big screens. She goes, oh, and you got your book too. <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, I do. you know, because Oprah was huge. So yeah. my saying all that is it's a long story to make a simple point. You, you've got to stay hungry and you've got to keep those dreams alive. There's no reason, even if you don't get your goal in whatever timeline you expect, mm -hmm. if you'll stay passionate and convicted. And when I gave up the need to need it happen, to need it to happen, the opportunity showed up. Now I still had to do stuff as I just went through. You know, it wasn't like I just went there and she called me up on stage or something. I had to do certain things. But if you will make your, your vision something you really feel is a strong must, mm -hmm. you can try. The right things are going to show up. And you need to stay focused on the reasons to achieve those things. In time, you'll get there. Love that. Wow, that, that story is insane. Um, well, we're, we're running down on time. But one last question, something I ask every guest on this show. But... In reflection of everything and, and in your own process, what would you say ultimately fulfills you in life? Seeing the impact that my life is able to have in serving other people. I would say there's nothing more meaningful. Just yesterday, I was blessed to appear uh, on a local uh, station with a young man who lost his brother to suicide. This young man is uh, 16 years old now. And when his brother took his own life, uh, this client of mine really spiraled into a really deep depression and, and he went to all sorts of different helpers and it really wasn't of any benefit to him. He wasn't getting better. His, his parents and he found me and we just really clicked. And uh, in less than a year, he lost 80 pounds. He was like a completely different person and his whole future will be different because of God blessing me with the opportunity to be a conduit of sort uh, in that mm -hmm. young man. So what really fulfills me is, is trying to share the gifts that God's given me in whatever way, through my humor, through my intelligence, through my presence, uh, in the lives of, of the people that God puts in front of me. 
you know, and I, I get much of my energy to do that from my relationship with my wife. I think that that having a really deep, loving relationship with people mm-hmm. is incredibly important. I think that's what charges us up. If you want to be a value to other people, you've got to make sure as much as you're putting out, you're allowing in mm-hmm. and have that constant stream if you want to really be able to have the type of influence in the world that you hope to have. Mm, I love that. Impact is 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 very important for me. That's always been one of the most fulfilling parts of life. Well, thank you so much, Charles, for being on the show. Where can everyone find you? Share your website really quick or any social medias you have. Yeah. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is my website. It's Charles D'Angelo. That's spelled D-A-N-G-E-L-O.com. Charles D'Angelo.com. And the Facebook and the Twitter and all that can link from there. Awesome. I will link that in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Charles. It was this was really awesome. My pleasure. Absolutely joy talking to you today. And that was all for today's episode with Charles D'Angelo. If you enjoyed this episode and you know a friend could use a little, you know, life coaching nudge, (laughs) to be honest, I think this episode is really, really great for anyone that needs a little motivation, some inspiration, and a little nudge towards a direction they've been aiming to go towards. Please share this with a friend. Share it on your Instagram story. I personally really enjoyed this conversation because even for me, I was listening the whole time and I'm like, damn, that is so true and is a very good reminder. So better yet, save this episode in your library so you can re-listen to this at a time you need that motivation. As always, all of the podcast merch is available at whatfulfillsyou.com and you can get 10% off with the code whatfulfillsyou10. That includes the card game, the journal, the hoodie, everything you can find at whatfulfillsyou.com. It is also linked in the show notes. Thank you again for tuning in today. I will chat with you all in the next episode.